You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. And Yahweh said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as Yahweh commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as Yahweh commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Thus says Yahweh, By this you shall know that I am Yahweh. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. The fish in the Nile shall die, and the Nile will stink, and the Egyptians will grow weary of drinking water from the Nile. And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand, over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as Yahweh commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile, and all the water in the Nile turned into blood, and the fish in the Nile died, and the Nile stank, so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. 
There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven full days passed after Yahweh had struck the Nile. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into the ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your servants. And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with Yahweh to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow. Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to Yahweh about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And Yahweh did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, 
that they may serve me, or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And Yahweh did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to Yahweh our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with Yahweh that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and did not let the people go. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of Yahweh will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But Yahweh will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And Yahweh set a time, saying, Tomorrow, Yahweh will do this thing in the land. And the next day, Yahweh did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. 
And Moses threw it in the air, and it became boils, breaking out in sores on man and beast. And the Egyptians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them, as Yahweh had spoken to Moses. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you, and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people, and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of Yahweh among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of Yahweh left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, And Yahweh sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down on the earth. And Yahweh rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually. In the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field. In all the land of Egypt, both man and beast And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. Yahweh is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with Yahweh, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to Yahweh. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is Yahweh's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear Yahweh, God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and stretched out his hands to Yahweh, And the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened 
and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as Yahweh had spoken through Moses. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart, and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am Yahweh. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. And they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve Yahweh their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go, serve Yahweh your God. But which ones are to go? Moses said, We will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to Yahweh. But he said to them, Yahweh be with you, if ever I let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve Yahweh, for that is what you are asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, so that they may come upon the land of Egypt, and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and Yahweh brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts had never been seen before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land, so that the land was darkened, and they ate all the plants in the land, and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron, and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God, and against you, now therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with Yahweh your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with Yahweh. And Yahweh turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. 
So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve Yahweh. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve Yahweh our God. And we do not know with what we must serve Yahweh until we arrive there. But Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Yahweh said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And Yahweh gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says Yahweh, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that Yahweh makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then 
they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Yahweh's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to Yahweh. Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing. Leavened in all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For Yahweh will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, Yahweh will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that Yahweh will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of Yahweh's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As Yahweh had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, Yahweh struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock, and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. 
Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve Yahweh, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in the cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And Yahweh had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sargoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds, and they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of Yahweh went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by Yahweh to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to Yahweh by all the people of Israel throughout all their generations. And Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as Yahweh commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, Yahweh brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Welcome back to the Gear Ash the Moment Show. This is, of course, Gear Ash the Moment, coming to you from Greeley, Colorado, for episode 567 of this podcast. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023, and that right there was Exodus chapter 7 through Exodus chapter 12. And there's a part of me that wonders, should I read an extended passage like that? you, and then there's another part of me that says, uh, it's my 
podcast. So <laughs> if I want to, then I will. And if I think it would be useful to you, and if I think I could better help you, better serve you, better honor God by reading that whole selection in one smooth follow-through golf swing, then I will. So I did, right? So I did. That was 30 minutes, which I very much hope you don't wonder whether it was well spent because God's word will not return void of power. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. And that includes, that certainly, certainly includes this account of Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh obeying God. Now, what I want to do with the rest of this episode is I want to talk through why this is extraordinary in a way that I don't hear anybody talking about. It's not to say nobody's talking about it, but I don't hear anybody talking about it. And so there's a felt need that I want to speak to and I want to address. So let's just start from the top. There's the fact of Moses and Aaron coming to Pharaoh in the first place. Pharaoh is not some lightweight. And you can tell when you read the whole selection in one fell swoop, this whole back and forth, this whole exchange, which is given to us in an extraordinary amount of detail, actually. You can tell that Pharaoh is not a lightweight. And also, he is not weak-willed. Whatever you can say about Pharaoh, he is not weak-willed. He is very strong-willed. And actually, that's part of why he's in the position that he's in. From his vantage point, probably, up until the very bitter end for him, he's no doubt thinking, I have to be strong-willed. That is why I'm in this position, is because I'm strong-willed. I can't show weakness. If I show weakness, that could be the end of my reign. That could be the end of my dynasty. I can't show weakness in the face of these Hebrews. And also, by the way, this is a multi-generational problem. So it's not some new thing. This has actually been a theme of Egyptian relationship with the Hebrews in their midst for at least 80 years. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because when Moses was born, his mother hid him because the decree from Pharaoh was to kill every baby boy born alive to the Hebrews. All the Egyptians in all of Egypt, if they found that a baby boy had been born to the Hebrews, they were commanded, they were commanded by Pharaoh to throw that baby boy in the Nile River and to drown that baby boy. And obviously, it wasn't an idle threat. Otherwise, Moses' mother would not have hid him for three months before putting him in a basket, painstakingly, lovingly sealing that basket and setting it in the Nile and hoping for the best, surely trusting that the Lord would protect Moses, which the Lord did. As you may remember, Pharaoh's daughter at the time, not the same Pharaoh, but the Pharaoh at the time, Pharaoh's daughter hears this baby, finds this baby as she is in the river 
bathing and she decides to take this baby in. But then she knows, she knows that this is a Hebrew baby boy. And yet even there, God has somehow worked in her heart, surely to be softened towards Moses and to send for Moses' mother to be a wet nurse, and she will pay for the baby to be nursed until such a time as the baby boy can be raised as her own son. And so you look at this and you think to yourself, what in the world, what in the world is going on? And it could just be that the daughter of Pharaoh didn't want to get married, didn't want to have a relationship with a man, but she did want children. It could be that she did have relationships and she did want to have children and she was trying and she couldn't because she was infertile. We don't know. Or if you caught the detail, I missed it because I was focused on other things. What we do know is that the daughter of Pharaoh at the time that Moses is born takes Moses and raises Moses as her own son. And when you fast forward 80 years, here is Moses back from fugitive fugitive status, back from being in exile, back from having fled Egypt after he killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave. Here's Moses and his brother Aaron in Pharaoh's court telling Pharaoh what to do. Now, just think about that. Just think about it for a minute. Here are two Hebrew men, advanced in age, telling the king what to do. Where do they find boldness sufficient for the task? It's very simple. A higher king has told them to deliver this message. The king above all kings, the God above all gods has sent them. And they are not speaking in their own authority. They are speaking the word that God has told them to deliver to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And it's amazing to me that before they have even gone to Pharaoh, they're thinking, he's not going to listen to us. Before they've even gone to Pharaoh, God tells them, I'm going to harden his heart. He will not listen to you, but go and tell him. And that right there, that right there is a crucially important lesson we need to learn if we are God's people and we would be doing God's work here and now. That is a crucially important lesson we must learn. Now, I wonder to myself, taking a step back for a moment from reading Exodus and briefly surveying what it is that we just read and its implications, there's a part of me that thinks you might be wondering whether I'm about to make this political. And what I have to say to you is this is political. I'm not making it political. It is political. Why do I say that? Because it's entirely political to Pharaoh. Real politique is at least half the reason why Pharaoh keeps saying no, despite signs and wonders, no. 
Realpolitik, very pragmatic calculations, are why Pharaoh is telling Moses and Aaron no. And it's interesting because early on, Pharaoh's court magicians are able to also do the signs and wonders that Moses and Aaron are able to do. And there are a few possibilities as to why that is. One possibility is because God gives them what it is that they're asking for. In other words, it's actually God's power making these things happen more directly. Another possibility is that they are actually doing these things by the power of the gods of Egypt, who have power and who are not just idols. They're not just statues of stone and wood and precious metals. They are beings made by God who have been given some authority and some power. But notice, either way, at a certain point before the end, those court magicians are not able to keep up anymore. And so what has happened clearly is that either God has stopped giving them what they want by his own power directly, or he has stopped the ability of the gods of Egypt to answer the prayers and the incantations of Pharaoh's court magicians. They keep doing the same thing they've always done. It has always worked, or it was working at least up until five minutes ago, but God stops their ability to have success. And I think that part of the reason for this is because early on, when Pharaoh's court magicians are able to perform the same signs and wonders, Moses and Aaron are, that is part of how God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. I think furthermore, Pharaoh's heart has already been hardened sufficiently by the time God stops the court magicians from being able to keep up with Moses and Aaron. Pharaoh's heart is already hardened sufficiently, and so this is a cumulative thing. It's not like he is starting back fresh with each successive sign and wonder God is performing through Moses and Aaron. And that is very, very interesting to realize about God. Not the only thing, but that in particular is very interesting to note about the character and the ways of God, the ways in which God works to accomplish his purposes and to fulfill his promises and to accomplish his will. It's very interesting that he is working in pragmatic ways himself, knowing that if he does this, the result will be that. But working through pragmatic and practical setbacks or even sometimes success. Don't miss that. Don't miss that sometimes God works through success as a way of judgment. Because if you know that the thing is wrong and you do it anyways, and there are no consequences, the entirely normal expected response is you will say, well, nothing bad happened. It worked. And you will get rewarded. And your brain, your mind, your heart, your will learns a lesson there. But if you knew that it was wrong and you knew that it was disobedient, is that a good thing? 
that you were rewarded there? Or is that part of the judgment that you are under? That now you're locked in. Now, in some sense, you're chained to that disobedience. And if you're going to be more and more and more disobedient until the end, that is not a happy thing. That's actually a terrifying thing, and you should be very afraid. But Pharaoh's not, because he's being made an example of. He is potentially the most powerful man in the known world at this time, and God is toying with him publicly, not just for all contemporaries to see in that time, but for all time. So long as we have the book of Exodus to read, we also are privy to the way that God has hardened Pharaoh's heart here. Even though he is sending Moses and Aaron to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, God is also hardening Pharaoh's heart so that he won't listen. And that is not a surprise to God that Pharaoh will not listen. Let me ask you this, friend. Which would you rather, to be rewarded and led along to certain destruction or to get some correction in a timely manner and avoid a bad end or a worse fate, a higher cost down the road? Which would you prefer? Because speaking personally, I should rather get correction or negative consequences now or suffering now for a greater security, maybe even a greater reward in the long run. That's my preference. You know, there's a great book you might check out if you struggle with self-control, The Marshmallow Test. And the big idea is researchers have studied young children, when they are offered a opportunity to either eat a marshmallow on a plate now or wait until the researcher comes back into the room after on cue as part of the test, leaving for a few minutes. If they wait, then they get two marshmallows. How would it be if you had a whole bunch of marshmallows and you can eat them now But we're going to tell you on the front end, something bad is going to happen to you if you eat these marshmallows, just so you know. But you can eat them. Each one of them will be delicious, except if you know that at the end of those marshmallows comes some undefined penalty or pain or punishment. Now, those who don't know God, they don't fear God, they don't love God, they hear this kind of a scenario and they say, If God is that way, then God is not good. To which I would reply, says who? Who are you? Who am I to say whether God is good? As it would seem, the one with prime of place to say who is and is not good is the one who made the universe. We think rather highly of ourselves, don't we? If we say God is not good. No, God is good. We, on the other hand, can only be good by God's grace. And so that should be our prayer. But note here, lest we over-spiritualize this to the exclusion of the practical and, yes, dare I say it, the political 
not just personal, not just individual, but corporate and, yes, political. Look at what Moses and Aaron tell Pharaoh. It's not just let my people go as if liberty is in a vacuum. It is not just freedom for freedom's sake. Let my people go, God says, so that they may serve me in the wilderness. Our forefathers here in the United States of America understood that once upon a time, and we have forgotten it. And if we would have redemption, and if we would endure, if this country would persist, even for a generation or two more, we must, we must, we must remember why God told Pharaoh to let his people go. The Founding Fathers' generation gets a lot of bad press from disingenuous mountebanks, revisionists, godless men who do not fear God and they don't know God. And they are part of our judgment, but also part of our test if we love God and are called according to his purpose. So they too can be used for a good end in our lives. The Founding Fathers' generation gets a lot of bad press, as though they were all deists, which is to say that they all believed God had wound up the universe like a clock and then walked away, checked out, disengaged. They believed, or so the revisionists say, that God was like a watchmaker, and that the universe, including us, is like one big watch, and that God has wound up this universe, but he's not engaged in a personal way with you and I. That's a lie. That's not true. And actually, first and foremost, I'm not chiefly concerned with whether the founding fathers were deists or not. Were they right? Consider Jeremiah 29, 7, specifically. Seek the welfare of the city to which Yahweh your God has brought you in your exile and pray for its peace. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This, ladies and gentlemen, is where I live. And I do see the stats. I do see the metrics on Anchor FM. I know that not all my listeners at least show up as Americans. A good portion show up as Italians. So if you're actually from Italy, buongiorno, I would guess. Maybe you're from Rome and you're trying to figure out how to get everyone back into the fold without having to maya culpa over the whole Reformation thing. Or, if not that, I suppose maybe there are some Protestants in Italy. That's a possibility. Or another possibility is someone has a VPN and they listen regularly, but they like to look like they're in Italy. It doesn't really matter. It amuses me, but but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Buongiorno, if you're actually from Italy, reach out sometime. I'd love to hear from you. But nevertheless, consider that you have God here, not just knowing in a predictive way that Pharaoh is going to tell Moses and Aaron no and harden his heart, but God 
says, I will harden his heart. And also notice how God works in the circumstances, manipulating them, sometimes overtly, sometimes very subtly, in a way that suggests, at least, that God is working through circumstances to harden Pharaoh's heart because he knows just the ticket. He knows exactly which red flag to wave in front of the bull's face to get him to charge because this is a show. God is putting on a show. He is putting on a display of his own power, his own holiness, his own righteousness. His authority has been challenged and he is going to make sure that everyone is paying attention when the final answer to that challenge is delivered. And so also, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the same God who hardened Pharaoh's heart, who sent plagues to punish the Egyptians and Pharaoh in particular, for all the nations to see, and for all time to remember, and for Israel to commemorate annually, the same God is sovereign over all creation right now, today, and he will be forevermore. Now consider with me, if you will, the fact, not conjecture, not imagination, the fact that the United States of America has for decades and even centuries very self-consciously remembered the law of Moses and God sending Moses to Pharaoh to say, let my people go so that they may serve me in the wilderness. Consider with me the goodness and the wisdom of that. If your heart is so hard that you scoff, carry on. But know this, the same God who hardened Pharaoh's heart may be hardening yours as well, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Take care how hard you laugh. Take care. For those of us who believe, but pray, help me with my unbelief, we should look at this and we should be in awe of how God raises kings and kingdoms up and how he brings them low. And we should consider in our own circumstance the way God has commanded Moses and Aaron to do what God has told them to do in full knowledge on the front end that they are going to be ignored. They are going to not be listened to. God tells them that. It is not an uncertainty. It is not a roll of the dice. It is not a coin toss. They know it because God tells them, he will not listen to you, but go. And God even gives them just a little bit, just a little bit, just enough of his reasons. And I say, whether or not God has given us his reasons in our day, whether or not we have audibly heard him say, go and tell this person such and such or this other thing, God's character has not changed. And so if we read in his word that we're supposed to testify to the truth, whether or not we will be heard, listened to, heeded is a moot point because God will get glory for himself either way. And we want to be on the part that is obedient and not hard-hearted. 
and also not so prudential, so pragmatic, that we imagine Moses and Aaron would have been wiser if they had said to God, well, you know, if he's not really going to listen in the first place and you're telling us that on the front end, and then, <clears throat> yeah, God, yeah. I think now is not a good time. I don't think that would be prudent. I don't think that would be wise right now. How about later? No. No. They did the right thing. They did the wise thing. If they were tuned out and if there was a lot of collateral damage, then so be it. Because that's what God called them to. And God is glorified in that as well. And we should consider. We should take to heart. We should meditate on this being the character of God. And that we would be imitators of God. How might that, how might that be informed by consideration of the character of God as revealed in his word? We must We must, we must, we must contemplate, ponder, consider. Something interesting I note here in the story of Moses and Aaron is that there's no hint, no suggestion, no insinuation, at least thus far, that they're doing this out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. None whatsoever. And why might that be, I think, personally? That a part of the reason is that this could very easily cost them their lives. This is a thankless job if they're just doing this of their own volition. It's a thankless thing. So their end will come if God is not with them. But if he is with them, well then, to oppose them is to oppose God. Not because they're God, but how does this selection that I read for you Start, you shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. And yet also, before that, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. I have made you like God to Pharaoh, which is to say that Pharaoh was in awe of Moses. And he was intimidated by Aaron. He's putting on a brave face, but the thought has crossed his mind that perhaps this is for real. And I would presume that's why he doesn't just put them to death, have them arrested, thrown in prison. Certainly, once the plagues start a coming, maybe there's a part of him that debates and says, well, maybe they're just magicians like my magicians. Yeah, it's nothing. My guys can do that too. So what? Who cares? But he's playing a tough guy. And that's precisely what God uses to harden his heart. This is a remarkable story about a people who God has called his own. A people God himself is going to deliver from 430 years of hard bondage. That is quite some time. 430 years. If everyone had children at the age of 20, that would be over 21 generations. And they've been in slavery to the Egyptians for who knows how long. But God is going to deliver them. And he does. And all the power 
all the bluster, all of the impressive show of defiance from Pharaoh, it doesn't matter. It's not enough. It doesn't cut it. At the end of the day, this will go how God says, and it does. And again, this is a very important thing that we consider and think about in our context as well. God's character has not changed. His capabilities have not changed. The nature of his promises fundamentally has not changed. How he will deliver his people, that is just as true as ever. So take heart. Take heart. Meditate on that. And be glad. Because it is just a question of when. And in Christ, we know, even if it's not in our day, that we are delivered, that we are set free in the sense that we should like to be free, free of debt, free of oppression, free of censorship, free of being maligned, slandered, hated, despised, even if it's not in our day. In Christ, that is our eternity. He will deliver his people. Take heart. That's all the time I've got for this episode. I got to run. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.